This is the ATP Tennis Radio Podcast. And a warm welcome to another extra podcast treat for you this time. I'm Seb Lozier and we thought our guest this week merited a special show because he is a modern day great. A world number one since the turn of the millennium, who these days can be found mostly at his own academy and out on tour, guiding the fortunes of Spanish youngster Carlos Alcaraz. I am, of course, referring to Juan Carlos Ferreira. I spoke with Juan Carlos over the line. He was extremely generous with his time. And in part two of our chat, coming soon as a separate podcast, we spoke about his own career, memories, rivals, even regrets. That's all to come. But in this part one, we hear all about the young man he's coaching, whose game and temperament have already won comparison with, wait for it, Rafael Nadal, Novak Djokovic and Roger Federer. No pressure living up to all of that. But we started quite simply with how the relationship came about. You know, first meet uh, with him, it was when he was like uh, 12 or 13, because uh, here at the academy, we have a lot of tournaments uh, for the young players. And uh, he came here a few times to play some tournaments. And of course, everybody at that age of uh, 13, 14, was talking about uh, that uh, we have a very young Spaniard that uh, he has a very good level because he's playing against um, guys that uh, they are like uh, two or three years uh, more than him. So I met him for the first time here when uh, he was uh, 13, 14, and obviously impressed me because uh, his level his level was uh, amazing because he was able to do a lot of things on the court that uh, it's very difficult to see someone that um, he's 13, that uh, he's able to go to the nerd, chip and charge, uh, you know, finish the points on the volley or, you know, stay on the court uh, baseline and uh, play aggressive or play in defensive. So he was able to do a lot of things with, uh, with that age. So for me, it was impressive. So the first time that I met him was when he was 13. And obviously then, when I finished my job with uh, Zverev, I get like second free. And uh, Carreño's uh, manager, you know, make me a call and, uh, you know, tell me about, you know, all the, the work that Carlos, he was doing on Murcia with the coaches that uh, he that he has. And uh, and he invited me if uh, I was able to, you know, to start working with him and uh, make a good, a good work because, you know, manager, of course, know a lot that uh, what he needs and um, obviously that uh, the manager knows that, uh, you know, I'm a very professional on the court and uh, maybe one of the things that uh, that he needs to stay a bit more focused, more intensity, more hours on the court. And, uh, you know, as the way that uh, I introduce uh, myself in the in the Carlos life. You mentioned all of the things that, that he was doing that, that impressed you. What was the one thing that you that made you just think, wow, this is a bit different? His forehand, his forehand it was, that, you know, very fast at that age that uh, he was moving his hand like uh, with a lot of speed and uh, was doing uh, a lot of winners. You know, at that age, it's very difficult to see someone 
making winners on, on the court because, you know, uh, he was not as uh, strong as, as he's now, of course. And, uh, you know, the way you could see in another course that uh, it was almost nobody doing that winner that uh, he was doing. So definitely his forehand was of, of the things that, uh, you know, I stay there and I say to me, to myself that, uh, okay, this is different. So fast forward four or so years, Rio this year, he beats Albert Ramos Vignolas, who you must know very well, a fellow Spaniard, 32 years old, twice his age. He's the youngest winner at that stage of an ATP 500 match since Rafa back in 2009. Were you surprised? No, of course I was a little bit surprised. But, uh, you know, when you see somebody that uh, you have that level, obviously when you show it on the practice, you can feel that uh, he can win the match. But doing at the match... It's it's completely different because you have the pressure, you have the you know you have the big court, you have the name of Albert Ramos in front of you that you hear like many times, and uh, you watch him on the tournament like uh, Roland Garros in or in a, in a lot of tournaments that uh, you may watch it on the TV. So obviously, I was very convinced that uh, he could win the match, but uh, but obviously I was I was pretty sure that uh, it was. Uh, will be like so so difficult because Albert Ramo is one of the toughest rivals you can have on, on, on clay right now. I mean he dealt with the week incredibly well physically which must have been one thing but also emotionally and dealing with the pressure how did you feel that he dealt with the pressure? How, how did you see him dealing with that? Did you have to help him? Oh, of course. Uh, at that age you have to help him in a lot of uh, ways and uh, this one is one of those. And uh, definitely he's 16 and uh, his emotions, uh, he cannot control it. And uh, inside of the court, uh, it, obviously I cannot, I cannot tell him a lot of things, but uh, I try to, you know, give him some confidence and uh, try to calm him in the, in the, in the very difficult moments. But obviously before the match, I was talking to him, but, uh, you know, if we get until maybe... If we are close to win the match, we have to be aggressive. We cannot go back and try to not miss or, okay, I'm very close to win the match. I'm going to try to stay here and uh, see what's, what he's going to do. And so we prepared these kind of uh, situations before the match to, you know, if you get there, you have to be like this. Obviously, when you get there, it's going to be very difficult because you have to, you know, you have to control all, all your emotions. But lucky that in the third set, he could stay on the court when uh, he was three love on, on love 40. He came back to play a good level again. And uh, on the tiebreak, I think uh, he did what uh, we, we were talking about, that uh, stay aggressive and try to go to the point and uh, control the emotions. And I think he did very well. I just remember thinking how impressed I was with how he dealt with everything. Just the atmosphere even, Rio, it's, and the weather, it's, all, it's quite oppressive. And, you know, the weather taking players off and bringing them back on again, it was a lot to deal with. Yeah, definitely. The weather is one of the, of the things that uh, I was not sure how he could manage with all of things because he was, huge, it was very humid. And, uh, of course, physically he get. Uh, you know, he's stronger than maybe uh, six, six months ago. But uh, obviously one of the, of the, of the things that, uh, you know, I wanted to, you know, how, how he's going to react. 
But I think at the end, he was, of course, tired, but uh, with, with all the emotions that he has, he was, you know, with a lot of adrenaline uh, enough to, you know, to go for the match. And uh, one of the things that uh, he likes, he likes to, to be in, in this kind of situation. He likes to face, you know, the, the other guys in this, in this kind of situation. And, and I think this is good because, you know, there is some, some players when, when, when the big, when, when the big uh, moments arrive, he goes back and they are not able to, you know, show his best level. And I think he's one of the, of the players that uh, in, in these kind of moments, he's able to, you know, to go for the match and, and, and show his, his best level. And uh, this is something really good. And you mentioned that you wanted him to stay aggressive. Um, and I was in Rio, so I've seen the way he plays. But for those people who are listening or, or watching who don't know how he plays, what is, how would you characterize his game? I think he he likes to be aggressive because he likes he likes to play fast, but uh, I mean he's able to you know to go to the net and uh, finish the point on the net and uh, he's uh, he's able to play in the different surface uh, at the same level because uh, he likes to play very much on grass. Uh, he discovered Lazier because it was the first time that for him to play in grass and. Uh, Let's say like six months ago, he I think he he thought that uh, his his best level he was on clay, and now he he thinks that his best level is on is on hard court. So this is one of the things that uh, is very cool because he's practicing very good on this in this kind of on surface on hard court, and uh, I think he's a little bit uh, changing his his kind of game. But uh, serving is improving. Uh, definitely is one of the things that he has to improve because he's still 17 now and uh, you know uh, when uh, you're 17 it's very difficult to see someone at this age you know to serve like unbelievable and uh, of course he, he needs to improve. Forehand is very powerful. Uh, he has one of the forehands that uh, when uh, he's able to, to stay and, uh, and, and be patient and accelerate he gets a lot of winners and uh, backhand I think is one of the shows that he's he's getting confidence because uh, before he was able to do a lot of winners as well, but uh, he was you know mistaken very much. But now he's he's able to be consistent and uh, and go and go for the point as well. So I think he's dangerous. He's dangerous for people now. I think people know that uh, he's very dangerous on the court and he's able to 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 play good level. So let's see how how we can continue playing on the tournament. Yeah, given the you know the level he's at already, the the comparisons with another Spaniard, Rafael Nadal, are inevitable. People, whether you want them to or not, will start to compare. Um, but you have actually compared him more recently. I I saw to to Roger Federer and Novak Djokovic in in terms of his style of play, and he himself actually in Rio, I remember him saying that he liked the way Roger. The, the way Roger plays. Yeah, because people was was asking if uh, you have to compare to someone. I mean, his, his style, talking. I think he's more than maybe Djokovic or or Roger or I don't know who else. Um, but uh, his kind of styles is going to for the point as, all the time and uh, trying to finish the point inside of the court. And uh, Rafa, maybe now he's he's more aggressive than maybe three or four years ago, but. Uh, at the beginning, Rafa, he was, you know, behind the line and uh, staying there and trying to fight and trying to make the points from there. But uh, I think Carlos, he likes to stay back, but then go in all the time, step in and try to finish the point inside. That's why 
he said that uh, his style was a little bit more similar than maybe Djokovic or, or Roger. And I saw in Rio that you hit with him. Obviously, you're his coach. So I mean, do, do you play sets? I mean, do, who who wins those sets if you if you play sets? <laughs> There's a secret. <laughs> no, um, we we played like um, three four days ago when uh, we start practicing, and uh, he beat me. He beat me. So no, but um, we are tight. But uh, he's starting to to be better than me. That's the big two. That's the big two. And um, have you seen any one part of his game in particular that you found easier before than you do now? The surface is getting better because uh, we are practicing almost every day. Uh, but uh, is is uh, is impressing me the backhand. The backhand is one of the things that he's improving more because now he's very consistent and uh, he's getting a lot of points. And uh, physically, I think he's improving also. Uh, very much because he's working very hard at the physically uh, things and uh, I think now he's, he's, uh, he's taller and uh, he's a little bit bigger and uh, he's, he's doing the things very good off, off of the court and uh, this is something that is very important because I've talked to him that uh, out of the court is very important to do the things that like rest and eat well and uh, think a little bit during off the court uh, what I'm going to do tomorrow so uh, this is one of the things maybe the younger players, they're not thinking too much right now about uh, about tennis, about what, what they're going to do and what, what they need to do. So Carlos, I think, is, is doing a good job in, in, in this situation and uh, he's improving in all areas. You talk about life away from the tennis court. Does he support a football club? What does he like doing when he's not playing tennis? A normal guy? Yeah, he's a normal guy. Yeah, he he loves sport, uh, any kind of sport. He likes to make volley. He likes to play football. He likes to play golf. Uh, this is one of the things that he's he's playing more now because uh, I play golf, and I introduce uh, him in this kind of world. That uh, for me, it's, it's fantastic. And uh, he's 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 playing golf, and uh, yeah, he's normal. He likes to be with the family and uh, the beach. He likes the beach and. Uh, watching series on the TV and uh, normal people. It's one of the things that I, that I like it because, uh, you know, when, I, when uh, you are working with someone, uh, you, okay, you, you appreciate when the people is uh, more like you and uh, is not uh, from another culture. Uh, it's very different. So it's, it's a nice guy, very nice guy. Can you still beat him at golf at the moment? No, at the golf, he's not uh, able to beat me at the moment because I am playing for 20 years now and uh, he's, just, he's just a start. So. <laughs> okay, well, that's good. That's good. Uh, just switching focus to, to you and your role in, in all of this. Um, as his coach, uh, you, you've obviously been a coach for, for a long time now and you've got your academy. Um, him being so young and when you get a young player like this, is there a danger that you get too excited too quickly and that you you let everything go too fast obviously when you have someone that uh, you see that uh, he is uh, that level and uh, he can be like i don't know i don't know what on and when but uh, i think he 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 can be a, a very good player but of course i am exciting it's uh i think this this job for me it's 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 very nice because uh, he remembers myself when I was young and I started to play a good level and uh, you know starting to play good tournaments with uh, people that uh, they have good levels so I'm a kind of 
human that I control very much myself. So uh, my emotions and uh, around the whole team, I think we, we have to be very calm and uh, try to talk to him that uh, maybe people is talking a lot good things from him, but, uh, you know, he has to be uh, with the foot on, on, on the ground and uh, not uh, going that fast because uh, you have to keep working every day and uh, try to be focused on, on your way and not uh, getting in the, in the, in the comparison with uh, Federer, Rafa or, or any, any name that uh, people can say. So in this kind of situation, I think we have to be like this. I was just about to ask you what the secret you think is to helping a player like that to transition onto the senior tour. Is it just to keep doing the small things? Uh, I think I'm, I'm I'm a lucky guy because I have I had the, the experience to 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 play the tour for almost 15 years. So I think it's one of the keys to be this kind of coach for him. It's very important to have this kind of experience. So let's say this is a secret, you know, to just. Uh, past uh, for all this the situation that uh, he's gonna he's gonna live right now right now in the next uh, few years so uh, it's uh, one of the things that I with my experience I, I can help me very much and would would the two of you also look and and talk about what other players have done players like Felix or Aliassime who also had a big breakthrough in Rio last year um, or Yannick Zinner I mean d- does he talk about these guys who are maybe just a little bit older than him and and you know how much does he want to rival with these guys yeah, of course of course uh, and uh, last year he practiced uh, with uh, Felix in the in Barcelona once and uh, he was so excited to play uh, to play with him in the practice and uh, and uh, obviously What's Sinner uh, because he played he played last year against him in the challengers here in in, in, in the academy and uh, he beat him he beat Sinner at the beginning of the year so uh, and, and that year at the end of the year uh, Sinner get into the best level so uh, of course he's uh, he's uh, you know he's watching these kind of guys because uh, he's still young and uh, he tells me that. Uh, He's ready to play against them, but uh, you know, I have to stop him a little bit and uh, go step by step. And uh, okay, we'll we'll have time to 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 challenge them. In terms of the reality of getting into these tournaments, is it qualies at the moment, or is it? I mean, Rio was a wild card. A little bit of both, or just looking forward to the Grand Slams. Let's say this year we we had a lot of a lot of opportunities because uh, Indian Wells uh, we had uh, wild card on qualies, but then Miami was a wild card on on main draw, and then uh, he had a main draw as well quali uh, main draw wild card in Barcelona in Conde Godot, and then he had a wild card in Madrid in uh, in main draw as well and Estoril as well and. Uh, Stockholm as well, so he has. Let's say he has, he he had a lot of opportunities, but uh, now there isn't. But uh, we have to be ready for you know when the tournament start, and uh, let's see when we have the opportunity. And if not, we have to you know be able to play challengers and uh, go step by step. And uh, you know he has to he he knows that he has to play this kind of he have this or this kind of uh, tournaments. And, uh, in, and if he has the opportunity to play in, in the big tournament, then he, he will be ready. And just finally, I mean, we're, you're painting such a, 
a positive picture of working with Carlos. It's wonderful. Um, I'm just wondering if there are any challenges, any, you know, issues with working with these young players. And, you know, I'm not necessarily asking you to talk to talk about working with Sasha because I know that relationship finished. But did you learn anything from working with Sasha that is benefiting you now as you as you move forward? Yeah, of course. I think uh, working with uh, players that, that they're one of the best in the world uh, helped me to grow up as a coach, of course. Uh, I know what is good. I know what is bad. Uh, I know the way I, I like to, to work with. And uh, with, uh, with Shasha didn't work at the end because he was uh, in one way different than me in this kind of uh, knowing what is professional tennis world and uh, but Carlos is accepting all the things that, that I, I tell him and uh, for the moment all is good but uh, definitely all the time that I've been with uh, with Sasha it helps me to grow up as uh, you know it was a big experience to come back again to to the old tour and uh, see all the friends that I that I had and uh, yeah uh, I think it was a, it was a good time. My thanks to Juan Carlos Ferrero and make sure you come back for part two where we focus on his own career, his crowning glory and maybe even a few lingering regrets. If you've enjoyed this, please leave us a comment or a review and remember there are plenty more where this has come from. Check out our back catalogue of recent chats. It is a who's who of tennis. For now, stay safe. Hasta la vista. If you like this podcast, please search the iTunes store for ATP Tennis Radio to leave a review. Review.